that deep peace, that peace that passes all understanding. What do we need to experience that deep peace? Total silence. Total silence. No. No, we don't need total silence to experience that deep peace, right? What do we need? God. The answer. Anytime I ask a question, you're always safe with God. (laughs) So thank you. Thank you for bringing us to that place of deep peace because I could feel it, right? We were there in that deep peace place. So, we are in the midst of a series on tending our garden, and last week we talked about the weeds, and as usual, I left you with a spiritual practice, the practice of looking in your life with what it was that was crowding God out. So, how many of you participated in the practice this week? You know it's coming, right? So I want to share with you that one of the reasons why I'm asking you to share with all of us about what you're discovering with these spiritual practices is because you are inspiring to one another. Like last week, it was, it's Bob, right? Bob? Ariana's, is it Bob? Tom. Okay, Tom shared so beautifully with all of us how he used the practice from the message the week before. And it was inspiring to me to hear that from Tom. So I know that you all have great wisdom to share. So for those of you who, who participated in the spiritual practice, what did you find was crowding out your, your, from your life the opportunity to connect with God? Who wants to share? Yay, Brian. I have a taker. It's always one. Okay, so what I've learned is when I'm focusing on the negative things, that causes those weeks to grow. And by letting go and just what is my lesson to learn from the experience rather than looking at the experience, how do I get my garden to grow and the weeds go away? Beautiful, Brian. Thank you. Beautiful sharing. Yeah. Anybody else? Ah, John. Thank you, John, for playing along. I get disconnected because of pain. Because of pain. Because of pain. I let the pain control me. And when I try to get back and center, um, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, But it it does create a disconnect, and it does become a controlling factor that uh, I constantly try to work on. I'm reminded of uh, Eckhart Tolle in his book. He talks about the pain body, right? And he talks about being with that pain and allowing that pain to be that which takes you into that that place of experience of the divine. So I can un- I can get that. Anybody else here with pain forget right that I am here to experience the power and presence of God. Pain kind of takes over and I forget in that moment, right? Okay. Do you have something to share, Kyrene? Yeah. All right. We're gonna give it to the wisdom of the youth now. What would you like to tell us? I had a boo-boo on Memorial Day. Oh, she had a boo-boo on Memorial Day, and that probably caused pain, right? Did you get a kiss on the boo-boo? Because that's what I do for Zoe, right? If it hurts, come here and let me give it a kiss. And it's amazing what a kiss can do. You know? That love kind of 
helps to eliminate that pain. So thank you, Kylan, for sharing. We're all seeing you healthy and strong. So the kids have been planting seeds. Any of the children that are here want to come and share about what you've been planting, the seeds that you've been planting? Anybody want to share? No. All right, give them a chance. They planted a big pot of wildflower seeds out in our patio back here where the labyrinth is out on the cement there. So they're, we're watching them grow. They came up and they're full. And so they're planting all kinds of seeds. What other kinds of seeds are all of you planting? What are the seeds you've been planting in your life in the world? Tom, you want to say something about the press? I'm going to bring you the mic. Hold on. All right, you share. Thank you, Tom. That's so beautiful and such a powerful testimony that you just gave for each of us to come together in community, right? Because we live in the 21st century where you can get online and you can discover and you can learn anything. You can buy any self-help book, like Tom is mentioning, and you can learn these things, but it's in community that we come together and practice. So we're planting seeds. Planting seeds of love. Planting seeds of kindness. Planting seeds of peace. What kinds of seeds are you planting? Patience. Surrender. Organization. What kind of? Rose seeds. Beautiful rose seeds. Mary. Tolerance. Right? We're planting all of these seeds. And like the song says, you know, we're planting seeds all around and what will grow will grow and what will die will die. And this is true because we tend to get attached to how these seeds are going to show up in their harvest. 
But it's also true that we've got our work to do. That we can't just plant the seeds and then walk away and forget about it, right? So the very first week when we talked about those seeds, we heard that there were five things that were needed for the seeds to, to grow and to flourish. There was the soil itself. There's the sunlight, there's food, there's water, and there's time. And all five of those things need to be in place in order for a harvest to occur. And so today we're talking about the uh, nutrients of like the water and the food. How do we nourish our seeds with water and food so that they grow to fruition so we can awaken, as Tom is talking about? So as I've been doing, I'm going to share with you a little bit about how we are, um, as a planet today, tending our planet the way, in the way in which we nourish our seeds, right? So we ran into an issue, and the issue was that the population of planet Earth was exploding to the point that there wasn't enough food available to feed everybody on the planet. And so minds got together, a solution was discovered, and that solution is what we now have, which is chemical fertilizers and pesticides. Now, the good news is, it's allowed us to grow enough food. Unfortunately, we haven't quite figured out the distribution system of that food yet, because there's still hunger on this planet. But we now can grow enough food. But the problem is, what those chemical fertilizers are doing to the earth that we live on. So there are three major um, things that plants need to grow. Nitrogen, potassium, and phosphorus. And they've chemically created fertilizers that contain those three nutrients, and they put them on the plants and they work well. Those plants have great access to those um, that food, and they grow quickly, but the problem is it also has an impact on the soil because those chemicals, when put on the soil, cause the soil's pH to lower, making it highly acidic. And in that, it also then destroys the micronutrients that are there in the soil. So we have this great... Um, um, opportunity to feed the planet, but in the process, we're destroying the planet. It's estimated that there were like a hundred... Oh, I'm going to look because I don't want to get the number wrong. 190 million tons. In 2015, it was estimated that there were 190 million tons of chemical fertilizers used on our plants. 190 tons. One of the biggest users is China. And China, it's estimated, had 10 million tons of chemical fertilizers that ended up in the waterways. And it's not just them over there, but it's here. It's here in our beloved Lake Erie, which each summer has a problem with algae bloom because of the chemical fertilizers that make their way through the soils into our waterways and into Lake Erie. So it's a problem that we have to address. It is not sustainable, even as it was once an answer for us. Now, what I know is that we are intelligent beings and that we will come together and we will find an answer. We'll be forced to find an answer because this is not sustainable. I don't know what the answer is. But it becomes my, my basis for 
spirituality and looking at how am I nurturing and nourishing the seeds that I am planting in my life, in the garden of my life. And so I was thinking about what is it that we fertilize the seeds that we are planting, the seeds of love and kindness and compassion and all of that, what is it that we nurture those seeds with? What is the food? What is the water that we nurture the seeds in our garden with as we are planting those seeds? Patience. The Word of God, Paul says. The Word of God. Patience. Love. Prayer. Asking for help. Compassion. Meditation. All right. So I'm going to talk about two of them that were mentioned. Because here in Unity, we have two very powerful tools that we can use to nourish ourselves. So that we can show up and be that compassion, be that love, be that tolerance, be that whatever it is that we're wanting to grow. We want those things to happen, but it takes nourishing ourselves to do that. And so those two tools that I want to talk about are prayer and meditation. Prayer and meditation. So you know that unity began with prayer and meditation. Our co-founder, Myrtle Fillmore, who grew up sickly, and all her life was taught that she was sickly, holding those negative thoughts in her mind, creating the weeds that were crowding out, the good health that was hers to demonstrate. And she continued to hold those thoughts until she went to a lecture by E.B. Weeks and heard the statement, you are a child of God and as such you do not inherit sickness. You are a child of God, and as such, you do not inherit sickness. There was the seed idea that got planted in her consciousness. And it could have stayed there. It could have just rested there. Nothing more could have happened. But Myrtle took that idea, and with prayer and with meditation, affirmed and knew God to the point where she demonstrated her health and wholeness. But like the plant, where one of the ingredients necessary is time, it didn't happen overnight. It took two years of her blessing every cell, every atom. Two years of asking her organs for forgiveness. She did her work and in the process demonstrated her perfect health and wholeness. Prayer and meditation were the tools that she used to get herself there. Now, in that story, I have never once heard of Myrtle Fillmore crying out to God to please make me well. In unity, our prayer method of affirmative prayer is not a begging or a beseeching to God. And why is that? Because the fact of the matter is, for Myrtle Fillmore or for any one of us, we are already whole and complete. We are already holy right here, right now. We don't have to change God's mind about what we want to experience in our life. God is already holding a perfect divine idea for you that is perfect health and wholeness. Catch that. Catch that. 
So what do you and I, what are we encouraged to do in order to bring that idea from that divine mind consciousness into expression in our lives? But we are, what we are called to do, what prayer truly does, is not to change God's mind. God already wants good for you. It's to change my mind. It's to become aware of every idea that I am holding that is out of alignment with that truth that I am whole and holy. This is prayer. Affirmative, life-saving, life-giving prayer. And the meditation piece is the piece of resting in that stillness, that deep peace, so that I can get all of those thoughts out of my mind so that I can hear that voice of God guiding me, leading me, supporting me in demonstrating the truth of my nature. What do I need to do to demonstrate that perfect health, that perfect abundance, the right relationship? What do I, how do I have to show up so that that can happen? So prayer and meditation, the two tools that we have in unity to nurture our spirit so that the harvest can be rich and full. Which got me back to thinking about our modern day farming practices and how we have taken this idea of the chemical fertilizers to rush the process along. Because organic fertilizers work, it's just they take a lot longer to work. So what have we done to rush along our spiritual growth, if you will, that isn't very sustaining, right? Because I said those chemical fertilizers work in the short run, but they are not life-sustaining. So I was thinking about how on uh, Mondays, when it's nice, we'll take Zoe up to the zoo. And as we're driving up State Road when we get into Brooklyn. It is Brooklyn, right? But that is old Brooklyn. Right on, right on State Road there, there's a little shop. And it's a little psychic shop. And in front of the little psychic shop, there's a little sandwich board. And on that sandwich board, are you ready? It says, all problems solved. All problems I mean, it didn't say some problems. It said all problems solved. All problems. Who wouldn't want that? Anybody here not want that? Aaron asked me last uh, service, so did you go? <laughs> no. Right? This is like, you're going to go. You'll let me know what problems were solved and how it works, right? But it's this, uh, this idea, right, that there's some quick fix out there for me. What is it? Give it to me. The whole problem solved if I just go to the psychic. In, in unity, in, in, in the spiritual, so, so now we have this um, spiritual but not religious movement that's happening, right? Maybe many of you here identify with that, spiritual but not religious. But there's an idea that's now present in, in our spirituality called spiritual bypass. Anybody ever hear of spiritual bypass? So spiritual bypass is this idea that I'm going to bypass over any negativity. I shouldn't feel sad. I'm a spiritual being. I should feel happy all the time. My life should not be challenging. 
It ought to just be easy and simple. If I'm doing everything right, then that's the way it ought to be. I don't want to look at those negative pieces of myself. I'm the light. Spiritual bypass is nothing more than chemical fertilizers that are not life-sustaining. Do you get it? The other thing that I was thinking about this week is water and food and sun are all necessary for those plants to grow, for them to be nourished and nurtured. But you can have too much of a good thing. We have areas of this country who have been impacted with severe flooding, for example. We hold them you know, in our hearts knowing that it's challenging to go through those kinds of circumstances. So you can have too much of a good thing. You can have too much water. You can have too much food. You can have too much sun. And it can be detrimental to the plants. Can you have too much prayer and too much meditation? Yes, no. What does Scripture say? Scripture says, pray without ceasing, right? Pray without ceasing. So as I've thought about that this week, some of you said, yes, you can have too much prayer and too much meditation. But how does that then coordinate with pray without ceasing. So here's my thought about that. You can have too much prayer and too much meditation if you're using that to do spiritual bypass and escape from doing what it is that you need to do. The Quakers have a saying. Anybody know what that is? Pray and then move your feet. Pray and then move your feet. Now go and be the light. That's right. <laughs> right. Exactly. So if all that I'm doing is praying, 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 but not listening for what is mine to do with the result of those prayers, just waiting for God to save me, just waiting, too much prayer. If all I'm doing is sitting in meditation and using that meditation to... to uh, bypass my life and not using that time of meditation instead to center deeply in that presence and power that is God that is within me that I can access that deep peace too much meditation you can pray without ceasing you could probably meditate in every moment by being fully present and fully engaged in in each and every moment but that is different than using meditation and using prayer in in order to avoid doing the work that is yours to do. Make sense? So, spiritual food, spiritual sustenance. That's what our practice is based on this week. And so if you look in the back of your bulletin, you'll see what our practice is. I am inviting you to feed your spirit this week with prayer, with meditation, with inspirational reading. Call into the 8 a.m. prayer call. The information is there to support you in some inspirational readings. I've got two booklets available on the uh, 
table as you leave today. One is called the Golden Key. The Golden Key is a process that Emmett Fox um, shared many years ago. And the process is very simple. Whenever you get caught up in your mind of thoughts of fear, fear, worry, or doubt, I am not telling you to shove those back down. I'm not telling you to say, oh, I shouldn't think those things. I'm not telling you to pretend those things aren't happening. But what the golden key invites us to is that in those moments where I feel anger, for example, to at the same time that I'm feeling that anger, to take a breath and realize I'm feeling anger here. And now I'm going to turn my attention to God that is within me so that that God that is within me can inspire me to think speak and act from that place of anger in a way that's helpful, that's a way that's uplifting, that can move me to whatever it is that I need to learn. Brian shared, right, that that idea that there's something here that is here to teach me. So it's turning back to God, but not in spiritual bypass. Does everybody understand the difference? All right, so that's one book that you could pick up, The Golden Key. The second one is a booklet called I Am God's Song. Again, filled with some inspirational readings. And I'm going to uh, close today with, with one in here from, about Jesus. But before I do that, I want to share with you that you have an opportunity to tend our garden, literally. <laughs> we have six acres here. We've got a lot of property, a lot of gardens, beautiful gardens that people take the time to support us. So previous years we've had one Nehemiah retreat and then everything looks good for a week or two and then it's all weed covered again. So this year, um, John McFarland and, um, oh my gosh, Eileen, yes, Eileen, have decided we're going to have Nehemiah retreats throughout the summer. So next Saturday, not this coming Saturday, the Saturday after, June 15th, we're going to have another Nehemiah retreat here to tend our ground, to weed our garden, to, you know, give it some food. And that will take place from 8 till 3 on June 15th, Saturday. And you can come anytime. You don't have to be here the whole time. If you've only got an hour, come for an hour. Lend your support. That would be most helpful. Okay, so here's where we're going to end. This is a a little reading entitled, Jesus, the One We All Might Be. The one we all might be saw through life's imperfections. Now, hear that. He didn't ignore life's imperfections. He didn't say we shouldn't have life's imperfections. He saw through life's imperfections, through sickness and doubt, through poverty and fear, through hatred and pride, even through death. And he called forth wholeness faith, joy, love, and life, and he showed us what life might be, lived to the utmost of its possibilities. He showed us what a person might be who held to the highest and best in himself. What can you and I do this week to nurture our spirit that the highest and the best can be revealed? wants to join me with that this week? I can't wait to hear how that plays out with those who want to play next week. Thank you and God bless.